Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go. It's your uh, it's your Wednesday that feels like a Tuesday or something. I don't know. It's the, a short week that's going to seem longer, but here we are getting ready to talk uh, hockey. It's just an upside-down time. Normally, we're getting ready to talk about, you know, Flames training camp and the golf tournament and all that kind of stuff. Not so much. Uh, there's been stuff going on in the Western Hockey League. We're going to uh, talk about that in the next segment. Uh, but first, we kick off the show with a chat with P. Lubardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Oh, we have Peter Lubardius, we have Logan Gordon, and we have a discussion to have about the Golden Knights from Las Vegas who, like we thought, would have a bounce back, and that's what we saw last night. Peter, your thoughts on their 3 nothing victory uh, over Dallas? Well, I would start this way. Response is always a huge word in the playoffs, whether it's after goals, bump-up shifts, after losses. And when I watch Game 1, ladies and gentlemen, of the Vegas-Dallas series, I thought, that's not the Vegas team that I've been watching. They they just didn't seem overly engaged. They weren't making plays. Um, they did not look a lot like the team that I've been watching since the resumption of play. Something Something very much seemed to be off. Now, I really believe that mentally the end of the Vancouver series was very taxing in the sense that, you know, in games five, six, and seven, and we know how difficult it was, thanks to one of the great goaltending performances I've seen in recent memory, and that's what Thatcher Demko was able to do for Vancouver. But, you know, it's, I think you guys would both agree, it's, diff, it's more difficult sometimes to understand when it's not working well, when you are playing really, really well, as opposed to the other way around, when you know that you don't have it and it's still not working. But one of the big stories that I thought a lot about focused on one guy. And that one guy is Ryan Reeves. Now, who didn't play in game one due to a suspension? Exactly. Ryan Reeves. Now, you're saying um, for somebody who plays less than 10 minutes a game, how could this individual have such a great impact on this team? Well, here's how I look at it. There are a lot of different ways to impact your group. Now, granted, is this arguably the toughest guy in the league? Yes. Is he one of the most physical players in the league? Yes. But let's go back, if we can, to what happened in Game 7. And what happened in Game 7 at 0-0 in the second period, Ryan Reeves took a five-minute major penalty in which he left the game and put his team in a very, very dangerous position. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but I certainly noticed this in terms of one particular scene is one that will stay with me throughout the playoffs and for a lot longer. And I'll ask you guys both. Did you guys both notice after the win against Vancouver in Game 7, was Ryan Reeves back in the dressing room, nowhere to be found, hanging his head? Or was he still in full uniform 
hugging every single one of his teammates as they came off the ice. Well, the thing with him, and, and, and I like how you went there, and we had Matt Stajan on earlier, so there, there's two things I want to say about that. First of all, yes, he is, you know, scary on the ice, and he's been scary for a while because he's so strong and just can hit like a truck. But it's it's the stuff that he does in the locker room, Lou and Logan, that I'm fascinated with because wherever he goes, like he started this whole NHL journey in, in St. Louis, right? Like, and that's... Mm-hmm. He, and and they love him for whatever reason. You saw the videos when he was with Pittsburgh and the goofiness with Phil Kessel and stuff. They love that guy and and whatever it in, in an odd sort of way. And what a leader he has been, especially with uh, the BLM stuff. He was you know, front and center, and the guys were with him. I I you know, and it's interesting. Like Matt was saying, he goes you sure know when he's on the ice as an, as the opposition, and you. Totally know when he hits you. You feel it. But I think it's the stuff off the ice and whatever it is, like sounds like he's a coach to me when he's ready to, to quit playing hockey. Well, I wanted to bring it up today and, and I'm glad Matt talked about that and Kelly, I'm glad you noticed. And that's why that scene said everything because depending on what kind of individual you are, um, he had unbelievable awareness, right, to understand that he put his team in a really difficult spot. But who was the first guy there after periods and after the game to be all in still with his group? It was him. He didn't even have his uniform off yet. He left the game in the second period. So leadership, accountability, and, and I know a number of members of that coaching staff really, really well, including Ryan McGill. And when you talk to whether it's Peter or Steve Spot or Ryan McGill, they just they rave about what kind of teammate he is. And in so many different ways, that's what goes missing, you know, because and that's why I started it this way today is you, you go, well, he doesn't have a goal. He has four assists, certainly has 80 hits. So that's, that's pretty easy to notice. But the other part of it is that I wanted to talk about, and we even saw this with the Flame series, and Peter DeBoer is going to address this for us in a second. Kelly and Logan, which line starts almost every single game for the Vegas Golden Knights? Their fourth line. That line. And it didn't start game one. Well, who wasn't available in game one? Exactly. Ryan was not Ryan Reeves. Now, to flush that out a little bit more, think about how important the start of each and every game is in sport. It is huge. And remember that when you do that with the so-called fourth line, you do understand, right, that whether it's Nathan McKinnon or Jamie Benn or if you're playing Calgary or whoever you're playing – That means what? It means you trust that group regardless. Regardless of whether it's Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or Austin. That's who you are putting your trust in to drag your team in that first shift in. Didn't we see that with the Calgary Flames in the playoffs with the Bennett line? Yep. (laughs) It's the same thing. Who's emotionally ready? 
who can coaches trust to get them into the battle? And of all the things Peter DeBoer had to say about his 3 nothing victory last night, I really came away with just Brian Reeves, that line and its importance, starting with them beginning the game. And it's a change that Peter made when he took over this year from Gerard Glennon. There we go. Vegas head coach uh, Pete DeBoer, um, and and, it, and to kind of to talk a little bit more about Ryan Reeves, there was a time that uh, he was getting courted very heavily by, uh, mm-hmm. by a local hockey club here in Calgary, and I uh, could have, should have, would have wondered that how that would have been different if if they could have made that work. Well, well, it's true, and you know, on, in another Vegas connection, even though Derek England is you know not been part of. Vegas on the ice, the Flames went a long time without a deterrent. And, you know, they ended up arriving really this season, Kelly, at Milan Lucic. And, um, yes, they were most certainly, from every indication I've had, that they were very much courting Ryan Reeves and hoping that they would find a way with the former Brandon Wheat King to make his way to Calgary. For that very reason. And the other thing about a player like Reeves uh, and Milan is it's just, it's like what we've talked about. It's, It's not just what they do, you know, on the ice, which gives you a presence and a deterrent, but it also allows a lot of your other players to benefit in a lot of different ways. Don't They get a little taller, right? A little stronger? A little braver? I thought a big difference in game one is that Dallas knew that Reeves was not in the lineup. And they now, Dallas played a great game in game one. They were hard. They were physical. But it changed. And and another reason that I think Brad Treleving went out and got Milan Lucic was, you know, in a very similar way. I mean, Milan's won at every level. He is a deterrent. You didn't have that for a while. And what you also hope is just what you said, Kelly, is that some of your better players, i.e. somebody like Johnny Gaudreau, can maybe go out and have some more confidence rather than what we saw for a number of years where, listen, when you don't have that type of person, and it's not, again, like people directly go to – you need somebody to fight. It's, no, it's, it's not, not Dave that. Semenko in the 80s. No. We're not talking about that. No. But, no. It is, but it is interesting, though, Lou, and, and Logan, jump in here. Logan, have you ever heard, it, it doesn't happen very often, the guy plays 10 minutes a game, doesn't score a whole bunch, but I don't think they get there without him. Have you? Have you can you uh, get a comparable to that? Usually guys, like, you know, either they're not in the lineup, they're in and out, or at least they can score and stuff. I 
this is sort of different for, for him. No, I, I can't. I can't honestly think of somebody off the top of my head. It's been kind of in transition for the last, I don't know, probably five to ten years. I'd say in the NHL, where you know that guy has to be able to do more than just you know be that presence or be that locker room guy. It seems like they've moved away from that a, a bit, and you've got to be able to provide on the ice as well. But I mean you know, the the value off the ice and the value that we don't see in those 10 or 12 minutes of play can be exponentially more than what we do see on the ice. And I don't think that's truer for, you know, anybody more than Ryan Reeves or Milan Lucic. And I'm sure most of those teams in some way or another, whether it's a Roussel in Vancouver or someone that, you know, is just always there and always going and in the locker room, the the team knows they're dependable and knows what they're going to bring, and I, I, there's definitely value to those sort of guys. It's just, it's I think it's evolved over the years. Well, and I, and I think that's a great comment, Logan. I really do. And one of the reasons I love to have these conversations is that we we so much in many ways evaluate, you know, again on talent and numbers when intangibles matter. And, and those things matter. Um, Ryan Reeves makes people around him better. And, and I think what it is, whether you're talking about Ryan Reeves or a Milan Lucic, and that's why I wanted to chat about, you know, one of the vivid memories of Ryan Reeves, of how he reacted after putting his team in a bad spot, is, listen, if you don't have that kind of passion and care to the point where, you know, he wasn't even willing to get out of his uniform. Like, that stuff, you, you may not give that value, and maybe you're going to say to me and people listening say it gives too much value. It doesn't for me. That speaks everything about what you're willing to do in his own way. It was saying, listen, I made a mistake, and I made a big mistake, and I know it, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for you guys. I've been here for you guys the whole way. And I'm going to show you. I'm not getting out of my jersey. I'm not going for an early shower. I'm in. I am all in. Regardless of it's good or bad, or I had a good part of it, or I had a bad part of it. And in building any team, in any business, in any situation, I will argue until the day I don't get to argue it publicly anymore. And that is that all in people matter. And that guy shows in his own way. You're not going to win any scoring titles. He's he's 33 years old. He he's never he's never been known for great skill, but he's been a great teammate, and he makes that team better, taller, harder to play against. And there's also a reason. And and again, would I like to play against this guy? Not a chance, because he's yapping in your ear every five seconds he's no fun to play against and if you want to get to good places whether they're the most popular guys or not or you know a lot like Matthew Kachuk not a lot of people looking to be his buddy every night but if you've got those kind of guys in their own kind of way they matter and I and I really think they help you win and I think Ryan Reeves return it wasn't the whole story Vegas is just an excellent team and they got back to being Vegas. But I don't think our storyline today doesn't matter to their cause. 
Well, it's interesting you say that, Lou, and you, you mentioned, you know, you wouldn't want to play against Ryan Reeves and he can be, you know, awfully tough to play against. Well, his whole team, you know, showed that again last night. And it's, I think it's a big kudos to the Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff and, and that whole team because they went through a, a real tough slog at the end of that Vancouver series where they, you know, went from dominating the play to not scoring any goals. And then the they start off of the Dallas series by getting shut out by Kudobin and company, but they just stick with it and they just keep going at it. And they're just going to be such a tough out for any team because this team just works. It doesn't seem like they ever lose their confidence or get away from their game plan. They're just so well-structured and have that belief that it's, they're going to break through no matter what. Even at guys when the you know, they, the goals kind of disappeared for them for a while, but they just seemed to come out. We're going to keep they playing the same way. going. We'll get our break here somehow. And that's hard, they that's got hard away, to do. They got away from it one night, game one. That's it. Although and, I think they were exhausted, though. I, I don't know if they, they just yeah, couldn't dial it up, though. Well, maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to know in those kind of situations. And like I said earlier, I, I but Peter DeBoer, who has been asked a lot, you know, starting with Game 5, Game 6, and Game 7, about their inabilities to score, he doesn't like that narrative very much. And in fact, after Game 1, when they didn't score, he talked about it being very different. He just he thought for the first time all playoffs long, they just didn't play a good game. They didn't compete hard enough. They weren't involved. They weren't mentally engaged. But he never, every time, and I've heard the majority of those conferences, either going into games or after games, he, he really liked the way his team was playing. And they got back to doing it last night. Paul Stashney, who, you know, all he ever does against Calgary is get at least a point every single game he's ever played. Um, and last night he had a goal and an assist. And as Logan found for me today, he was kind of asked the same question about, you know, were you squeezing it too tight? Did you get away from it too much? And he kind of pointed to the same thing about, okay, they might have got away from it a little one night, but overall, they like what they do, and they're good at doing it. Hard to stick with it sometimes, though, right? Your 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 brain starts playing tricks on you because you think you got to work harder or do something different because it's not working. It's the toughest thing sometimes, Lou, to stick with uh, what you know will work, even though if it's not working at the time. Well, it is more so on nights when you feel like you really have it, and that's what happened against Vancouver. They had it. They they were clearly the better group in games five, six, and seven, but. Sometimes you run into an incredible goaltender and a really scrappy, won't go away team, and you know you're just you're not turning on the red light with all the chances. But when I evaluated Vegas, uh, I loved them in games five, six, and seven, and they were right back to being them. The only game I haven't really liked them in the whole playoffs was game one. I just I didn't think they looked like themselves. They didn't. This is a team, guys, that has absolutely blown me away 
you know, we, we've talked the last few years about how they defend and they roll over four lines. And, you know, they're, they're truly a team. But, but And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I'll throw it out at you. It's been a while since I've seen a team move the puck the way they do. Their spacing, yeah. how they support the puck. They're always in the right place. They make plays. Like, even last night, look at the most beautiful goal, you know, one of the more beautiful goals we've seen recently, you know, the Chandler Stevenson, Nicholas Waugh, Thomas Noshek. Like, sorry, that's not Braden Point, uh, Nikita Kucherov back to Steven Stamkos. Like, they make plays. Yeah. They move the puck. They support it. Their hockey IQ is off the charts. And that's what I, you know, we, we had, a, I can't remember who we had, uh, one of the columnists from, from Vegas, and we asked, like, what, what's the big difference between, you know, Gerard Gallant and, and Pete DeBoer? And he basically said that. It's that attention to detail and that ability to play with pace. And that's maybe what, you know, the, the Golden Knights brass saw or didn't see. And everyone said, what, what are they firing this guy for? But, well, the reason is because we could get this guy and institute this situation. That, that was a gutsy move, but I think it's, it might get him a Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, it might. And, you know, that, that was an interesting one for me because I've had associations with both guys, and I think they're both great coaches. Um, but, but I've known Peter and Steve Spott, who have kind of been attached to the hip a lot of the time, since the early 2000s. And what you described, Peter DeBoer is, he is really, to me, everything you would want in a coach. He's experienced. He's been around a ton of big games. He's just, if you've ever spent any time with him, and I'm, I thought about it today when I was out for a walk before the hit, about just how lucky I've been to spend hours in certain coaches' offices, to, to not only get to know more about hockey, but about them as people. And, and Peter is just, he is such a caring, but smart and no-nonsense. He is very crystal clear in what he wants, yet he's always been really, really fair in how he goes about his business, um, you know, you have to think about it. I mean, he you go back to his days in the Ontario League where Plymouth was there, and then, you know, the great teams that he built in Kitchener, including, you know, winning the Memorial Cup in 03, which was the first year I got to spend a little time with him, and then, you know, until he left and went to Florida and, you know, ended up getting New Jersey to a Stanley Cup final, and then San Jose. I mean, he is a great great coach and and the one thing the one takeaway that i've always had and i'm a massive fan i mean you know that's the thing right we we have connections with certain people and we really grow to not just like them but just respect peter DeBoer. and and in spending that kind of time with him and when i get to see him in my travels ever since it's just that's him he's fair he's incredibly hardworking. he's dedicated he's smart he has a plan, and he knows what he's looking for. And I think in, in many ways, that's not always easy to do. But he's been a great coach, and he's been a great coach for a long, long time. Well, Pete, we're going to let you go uh, tomorrow. The guys had an interesting conversation. I want to kind of get your thoughts on two things. I heard one in the mornings, 
in one in the afternoon, and Logan okay. made me kind of do a quick little uh, preview. You guys were talking about, you know, you know, the Flames' decor and, mm-hmm. and where Yuso Valamaki fits in. And I thought it was fascinating. Each guy had their own take as, as where to, you know, where, where he maybe slots in. And I think maybe that's something we can explore tomorrow. And the other thing that came up, and, and uh, the morning guys always do this thing called Who Says No. And um, it was about after uh, Jim Benning's comments about, um, about Jake Furtanen mm-hmm. and wondering, eh, does, he, does he fit in Calgary? In, in the right sort of role, and you know, do you do you see if you can make a deal for him or sign him or or whatever if they leave him unclaimed? So I I think we maybe kind of dig into that a little bit because I I found it fascinating, and I the more I thought about it, like hmm, maybe that isn't you know. So I crazy. will uh, I will not be shy on <laughs> either subject. Oh, I didn't I didn't think it would be. <laughs> I didn't and think I, it and would I be. think I have lots of intel and. Even in the case of uh, Mr. Vertanen, been watching him for a long time and, and have had a number of even great off-ice chats with Jake. I, I think I have a pretty good feel for the now, and who knows, doesn't maybe look for very long to be the Vancouver Canuck right winger. All right. Okay, we'll let you go. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, Lou. Thank you. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, coming up on Friday, we're going to uh, try to get a little bit back to normal. A little bit more back to normal, as it were. As uh, we're going to have, well, half the big show live on location at Adrenaline Source for Sports. We've done so many live shows there. We're back again coming up on Friday. Two till six, uh, ninety three oh nine McLeod Trail South. You know them. They got the staff. They got amazing selection, and uh, they will get you what you need. And they they got a few things they want to uh, mention. Uh, they got this thing called Derm Safe, only available at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Derm Safe is your protective glove against germs. It's an alcohol free hand sanitizer that forms uh, a polymer on your hands, allowing four hours between applications, even with hand washing. So when you're playing hockey, you put the glove on, that kind of thing. Get back to school, get back to sports with DermSafe from Adrenaline. So they'll be talking about that. Uh, We'll be talking, you know, did we think we'd talk about that last year? No, but it's 2020, we're going to. So Pat will be there coming up on Friday from 2 till 6, and there'll be a ton to talk about. So we'll see you down there at Adrenaline Source for Sports on Friday. We'll take a break. The living legend, Rob Kerr, is next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon making way for Peter Klein. And hour one of the big show comes at 1 o'clock. Time now for the, uh, well, let's go down the old Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. And Rob Kerr has read that liner a few times over the years. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Any, well, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm like everybody else. I think uh, that question now has a, I think a built-in 
yeah. acceptance that we're, we're a little bit below where we want to be, but, you know, all things considered, we're moving forward. So I'll say I'm okay. We uh, were talking about, um, like, doing a year in review kind of thing, and some of the uh, young producers were wondering, hey, you know, we should do a, a year in review. It's like, I don't know if we want to go over 2020 in December. I think people will probably want to punt 2020 in the rearview mirror as soon as possible. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that anyway. Maybe, maybe I'm being cynical. You, you know, it, it was funny because social media is such a driving force and everything. And, you know, it was really kind of prevalent in 2018 and in even 2019. You know, we said goodbye, particularly to, to, to music artists, particularly to rock artists, Prince yep. and, and David Bowie and, and actors and stuff like that. And it just seemed to come in these, in these, Tom you know, Petty. Kind of, yeah, tons. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's like, geez, 2018 is the worst, right? Or 2019 is terrible. And all due respect, those are great losses. But um, this is, this is the, 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 the books that will be written about our generation. We read the books about the greatest generation. We read the books about the 60s and to a certain degree the 70s. But um, this is one of those moments in time and one of those moments in history that will be taught in schools and will be reflected upon. And, and you know, we're really living through um, a time for us that we've never seen before. And you're absolutely right. Um, I still think there's a benefit of, of going back and looking, looking back at the year as a whole because there's a real what, – what a wild story. Um, because, you know, we would have been talking in the end of February about, you know, the acquisition of, of Gustafson and Forbort and all that stuff, yeah. um, you know, the, the hitmen were, you know, our storyline was we were, we were in the playoffs, but we were stuck. We weren't moving. We were so far ahead of the guys behind us, but so far behind the guys ahead of us. And, you know, we were getting healthy and all so just didn't contemplate this. And, you know, I tell the story all the time, um, you know, March 12th, I was at the Beltliner because Eric Francis was doing a fundraiser for kids sport and the guests were Jeff Ward and, and uh, Dave Dickinson. And we were having dinner before and we were kind of talking about what was going on in Europe and, you know, what might happen here. And, you know, we're going to have to put up more hand sanitizer and stuff like that. And then that night, Ruby Gobert tests and our world's changed. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I don't know me, I, I suppose Kelly nine 11, from the standpoint that travel changed and the way we viewed the world and our vulnerability, you know, those types of things are, are you know, taught in history, et cetera, et cetera. But um, we, we've never, we haven't adapt, we haven't gone through anything like this. And, and certainly sport has never been affected like it has. Well, exactly. And people are starting to like, for instance, my long weekend, I felt a little bit more normal. I did some normal type things, went to a movie, that kind of stuff. And people are, yeah. are, are trying to get back to normal. And you guys right. are going to be coming to join us on Friday. And I, I just, I, yeah. we do a million live shows, but this one feels a little more special. Adrenaline Source for Sports, <laughs> the great partners of, of both the Hitman and, and Sportsnet yeah. 960, Naughty 309 yeah. McLeod Trail. I go by their, their store every day. And, and you guys have, have, are going to be joining us kind of social distancing and doing that sort of thing. So tell right. us what, you know, we're, well, you know, Steinberg's sure. going to be do, down there doing the show and that sort of thing. But what are you guys going to be doing down there? So March 15th was our second to last home game, supposed to be our second to last home game. And we were celebrating our 25th anniversary. And John and, at Adrenaline, um, you know, really kind of an out-of-the-box thinking guy, 
Um, you know, he has great relationship, as you say. And we talked about what can we do that would be different. And, you know, he, he's a throwback like you and I. And, you know, we said, well, why don't we do trading cards? What You know, trading cards are, you know, hit and miss sometimes. But because it's our 25th anniversary, why don't we celebrate our 25, you know, top players in our history? And, you know, and, and then as a throwback and really kind of a wink and a nudge to, uh, you know, us who spent a quarter on a package or, you know, tried to chew that god-awful gum, we threw a, a checklist card and we threw a logo card because I remember as a kid, I hated those. Like that was, I got scammed where I, I didn't get all my cards because I got this stupid checklist card. So we threw those in there and we gave them away slowly over the course of the season on Sundays as an enticement, you know, another reason to come and enjoy a Sunday game, come and get the, the new cards. And March 15th was supposed to be the, the final card of the 27 card set. And it was Ryan Getzlaff. You know, we thought probably appropriate. Yeah. We'll have one card to be Ryan Getzlaff. We had that taken away and we heard, you know, our fans, we, as every team did, as, as you guys did with your clients, you reach out, you get a sense, you talk to them, you, you know, when we know something, you'll know something. But overwhelmingly, nobody seemed too concerned about refunds. They were more concerned about when is that card coming out. <laughs> and it became really apparent that there's an appetite for people to complete the set. So um, we said back in April, we, we told everybody that as soon as it's possible, as soon as it's safe, and as soon as adrenaline agrees, we'll do something to give away that final card. So Friday, long way of getting there, but Friday... We will be there from noon to 7 o'clock. Trading card Donnie, who became a quasi-celebrity throughout the season uh, by being the, the, the face of the trading card program, he's going to be there. We will have the, um, the final card, but we're encouraging anybody who is collecting the set to bring the entire set with them. Show us the entire set. We'll put your name in a draw, and we've got some prizes we're going to give away at the end of the day. But... You know, somebody's going to go home with a $500 gift certificate to Adrenaline Source for Sports. So that's pretty cool. We got some autographed jerseys and sticks and stuff. But, you know, this is like you, Cal, like it, it it's kind of our first foray back into the public, right? Yeah. Um, you have to wear a mask. You have to adhere to social distancing. Um, we'll have staff on hand that'll have, we'll have masks and, and screens on and gloves. And we're going to do this as safe as we possibly can. Um, but we, we definitely want people to come and, and, and finish their set, collect the Getz Lab card, um, come down and say hello, say hi to Pat. Um, you know, adrenaline is just as important now as it ever has been. Kids are back in school, but they're also back in hockey. So um, they got some really neat things that uh, I know uh, Pat's going to be kind of debuting on the show. Uh, and I had a little sneak peek. And people are going to want to be listening to the show, too, because there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipe. And, yeah, so... We're there, want to say hello to people, but, you know, we'll do the elbow bump and and we'll make sure we're safe, but we want you to come get the card and, and complete your set. There we go. That's coming up on Friday. No talking goalie, unfortunately, but, you know, no, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. I'm not sure that I'm not sure the talking goalie's coming back after oh, the pandemic. I, Part I, of the pandemic is added a little extra padding to the talking goalie, so, <laughs> um, you know. There you go. Oh, I'm not, we'll wait and see. So, Robbie, I wanted to ask you a couple yeah. just like uh, high level questions about the Western Please. Hockey League. I, uh, sure. I, I either I didn't know or just wasn't informed that uh, Kelly McCrimmon sold the Brandon Wheat Kings. The good news, I guess, for people in Brandon 
is that like super local established guys have bought it, so that team is going to stay yeah. there. Um, yeah. I mean, he has been as with that team for thirty years almost, right? He has. Um, so a couple on that one, I found out when you found out. Like it was a very well guarded secret. Um, it just it popped, and it, you're kind of reading it, going, "No, no, that you got the wrong team. That can't be it." Um, Portland is also going through a, a sale process, and that one we were aware of, and that one looks to be a very good move and a very stabilizing move. But no, I was, uh, I was shocked. Um, and I'll tell you a story. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon interviewed me for a job back in uh, 2000. I, uh, you know the story, and, and maybe some of the diehards will remember me, you know, going off on it a lot. But I had an opportunity to go to Louisville, Kentucky, in the American Hockey League. I actually had an opportunity to join the Calgary Hitmen, and a friend of mine, Rick Dillabo, was working for the Brandon Wheat Kings, and I was just kind of asking him what he thought, and he called me back, and he said, would you be willing to talk to Kelly McCrimmon? And I said, of course. Kelly called me and talked to me for half an hour, sold me on, you tried to sell me on coming to Brandon, um, and I, I will never forget this. He gave me arguably the best advice that anybody had ever given me, which was you really have to look at the totality of the situation. You know, a lot of guys were trying to go from Canada to the United States and make that jump. He said, but sometimes you need to go to a place where you can get a lot of work, a lot of different experience, and I promise you if you come to Brandon, um, you know, that I'll give you that and, you know, I'll help you get to where you want to go. It was amazing. Um, now, ultimately, I, I, I chose Louisville, and that didn't work out. So, clearly, I didn't listen. Um, but I certainly, once I went through that entire experience, everything he said, I checked. Like, every yeah. box. Um, one of the best conversations I ever had. And you know what? It's one of those things, too, where he was kind enough. To, I ran into him on and off for the next 20 years. And he always asked me how he was doing. He always checked back. And, you know, he was just He's a really quality guy. So, you know, I was a little bit surprised when he went, you know, to the NHL and joined the Vegas. I thought, you know, he was going to be a lifer, um, but he's done a great job there. And, um, and here we are. So you know, I also look at it as a positive uh, in, in this term, you know, tumultuous world in this world of turmoil and doom and gloom that somebody sees value in the product. Somebody sees value in, in that franchise. Somebody wants it and is willing to pay for it. And, that's healthy for us as a league, um, you know, with all the uncertainty. Uh, they definitely believe in the league, and they definitely believe we're going to come back strong. So, you know, when you're looking for good news, I think that's a little bit of a good news Yeah. Story. So when you had your interview with Kelly McCrimmon, uh, yeah. was, like, we had our first interview. Was he hung over yeah. like I was, or, or how did that no, work? No, nor, nor did he make me buy lunch. Um, fortunately, it was a phone conversation. So in in defense of you, something wrong with my debit card here, Robbie, I hope you can maybe (laughs) spot me for this in in defense of you and nobody else will defend you, but in defense of you, I never, we never got to that point. So, you know, he may have, I don't know. Um, but no, it was a, it was a phone call for sure. There we go. Uh, Rob Kerr joining us from the Calgary Hitman. And I get, uh, you know, people are kind of. I'm living my life basically one month at a time, and I think that that's maybe yeah. the best way yeah. to do it. I don't, I don't get too far in advance. Yeah. But, you know, we, we have seen some, some notification from the Western League that they would like to start playing in December. 
Um, right. What 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 can you tell us about that? I know people want to get back to sure. normal, and people are, are are nervous as hell, and and I think it's baby steps. What what does that look like? Do you think what's best case scenario for the Hitmen and the Western League to get back to uh, to playing hockey? Well, I, you know, Ron Robinson, our commissioner, and I, and I believe it's you know pretty much you know the CHL's mantra. But I shouldn't say that because I'll talk about Quebec in a second. Um, but we'll re- we can't return with no fans. We just it's just impractical. It, it's nonsensical. That won't happen. Um, will we return with fifty percent of capacity? Sure, uh, maybe. Maybe it's less than that. I the the. You know, the challenges for buildings like ours in Edmonton, you know, that capacity is different, but that capacity also comes with other challenges that smaller buildings wouldn't have in terms of staffing and entry and exit and all that. Um, Kelly, I would say that, you know, the best case scenario is that we are playing in December. Um, I think it's up in the air at this point. I think we're, you know, taking the, uh, you know, I listened to Coley Campbell today on another interview and, and, Unbeknownst to me, um, he let it out that, you know, hockey's been meeting. Hockey has been having phone calls. The NHL, the AHL, the ECHL college, the CHL, they've all been having these week or biweekly phone calls just to kind of update. Um, I, 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 you're right about living month to month. Um, I think we're all waiting for some harbinger of, of something that gives us hope, uh, obviously a vaccine or a readily available vaccine, rapid testing, all of those things are kind of the things that we're really hanging our hat on. We want to get to a point so people can come back in and we can return to normal. Um, I, I would suggest to you that the Quebec League is going to be an interesting study for us. Um, as I understand it, uh, the Q will break off into three divisions, two in the province of Quebec and one in the Maritimes. The one in the Maritimes will be allowing fans in in limited capacity, and then in Quebec, uh, the province is subsidizing the team. So they'll play, um, and but they won't have fans. So unique situation there, and I'm, I, I, you know, I don't want to jump into politics, but I don't think that's a, you know, an, an option for us. I don't think it will be an option. Who knows? Um, so we'll watch and see. The NFL is going to be something worth watching. The problem with the NFL is, is that it's outdoor stadiums for the most part, uh, and that's a different animal. I think we're watching Europe. Um, you know, our, our mutual friend, our good friend, Rob Cookson, is back coaching in Switzerland, and they're supposedly playing in front of fans or will be playing in front of fans. I think Russia's playing in front of fans. Um, you know, we, we're kind of, as you said, month to month, week to week, day to day almost. Um, you know, I would take off my Hitman CSEC cap and I would put on, you know, retired former grumpy radio host hat, and, and I would just remind people that, you know, the biggest challenge for the return of live sport, you know, pending a vaccine is, um, it, to me, is COVID fatigue. It's, you know, we all just kind of tired of it and we just kind of don't want to do it anymore. And we don't want to wear a mask and we don't want to socially distance. And, and I know everybody, you know, we early on was talking about second wave and maybe that's what brings on the second wave. But that's my biggest concern, um, you know, not to get into a big, you know, light up your text line all afternoon or, or whatever, but masks are huge like you know masks are what keep the numbers down and um they help they're not a cure um but the more we keep the numbers down the better we get it in check the better control we get on it the quicker we're going to be back to to some semblance of normal at least in our world yeah 
But if I've yeah. learned, but if I've learned anything, Cal, is that our, you know, when we went through the lockouts, lockouts were always, you know, devastating to guys like you and me. Fans didn't like it. Players didn't like it. But at the end of the day, that was always solvable. Whether they liked it or not, the two sides could have solved that at any point. That that that's different. This, mm-hmm. it's not like we're waiting for Gary and Bob to emerge from you know underground to tell us we've got a deal. A lot of factors are at play. So you know, I'm sympathetic to the people who lost jobs. We're certainly much thinner on staff than we were. Um, you know, we we've all made our sacrifices and. Um, my hope is that we get to a place where we can finally get back to sport being what sport's supposed to be all about, and that's the, the diversion from everyday life. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants their lives back, and it's, it's, it's been interesting studying, you know, you know information. And, and uh, you and I talked yeah. it, when this thing started yeah. breaking. is like, yeah. you know, you really, you almost have to, when you're, when you're on social media, when you're on the Twitter, when you're on Facebook, even when you're just looking through the mainstream media, it is tough yeah. to get like a real sense of what's going on, get rid of the spin, get rid of the politics yeah. that, that a lot of people are playing with it, and just find out the correct information. Some of the major media outlets yeah. in this country and down the States are getting it wrong and, and are hyping yeah. things. And then so you really have to kind of, okay, well, I'll read that, and I'll read this. And then you have to almost Don't have to think- edit your things out. It's, it's frustrating. But don't you think, though, that we've been kind of gliding to this point? You know, I think back of all the times, like, you know, the little things, the little catchphrases and the little things I would throw. Like, you know, my advice to kids was always, or people who want to get into business, read everything, watch everything, listen to everything, but make up your own mind. And, you know, come to us for information, not affirmation. Um, The advent of social media, the advent of, of, you know, really the way news has become news gathering is, is again, now based on um, attracting an audience. It's based on what people want. And, you know, I said this a couple of times, I think we live in a world right now. and, And I thought this for a long time in sport and it was really what driving me nuts in sport was we're 70% opinion and 30% news gathering. And we really need to flip that. And you can't abdicate. People, now I'm talking generalities here. There's a lot of people out there who want to read a headline to get the story. There's a lot of people that want to read what they want to hear, want to believe, and that's good enough. We don't challenge ourselves. We don't, and I'll give you a good example of that was, um, you know, there's some certain stories about super spreader events that have been coming up on, on the news. And, um, you know, you read them and you get angry and you're emotional and everything. But I was reminded that you, you really have to be careful about scientific information and, and medical information and ensure that you're reading peer-reviewed material. Right? Exactly. Not and just that, some press release we, we from somebody. Yeah. That's right. And we don't have the time. We don't have the, the patience for this. And it's killing us right now. And I, I think it's literally killing us right now that we as, you know, we as citizens or whatever, voters or sports fans or whatever, we, to your point, Kel, there's so much out there that we can't rely on anybody to filter it for ourselves. And I know it's real easy to read something that you love, but man, I, I'll tell you, you got a second source. You got a second source. Every time I read something in life that go, oh, this is fantastic news. First thing you do is you got to go find it somewhere else or you got to get it. And, and that's just where we're at. 
And I think social media has played a role in that. I think that the kind of the evolution of media and how companies do that, um, I, I just think we're, it's compounding what we're going through. So I'll step off my, my soapbox. But I will say in my own defense that I have long held that belief in the sports world, but now I just see it's everywhere. You're the best. I, I'm so glad you came on. I mean, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago we could have really used you on some of the shows and stuff. And uh, but uh, oh, it's awesome. So we will uh, we'll talk again. Um, yep, for sure. You know where I am, and I have I have a little bit of spare time. Uh, exactly. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk soon. No problem. Thanks, Kelly. See you guys on Friday at Adrenaline. You know what? There we go. Rob Kerr right. from the uh, Calgary Hitman helping us out. We talked about a few things. Like we always do with Robbie. That's the way it goes. Hey, Boomers football picks are back tomorrow. Look out. They're going to dig in and uh, tell us about all their uh, their can't-win combinations on sports like whether it's pro line over under, point spread, pools and props. The boys will go through it, give you uh, some can't. Mi- you know, it's all in fun, right? We're just messing around. Uh, find out what the guys think, and then we, uh, we check the math on Monday, which is always very sobering. So that is coming up tomorrow between 7 and 8 o'clock. It is uh, brought to you by our great partners at Sports Select. Bet on the sports you love and get real cash payouts with Sports Select. Get in on the action. Put your sports knowledge to the test with Sports Select. See the game lists at sportsselect.wclc.com. Logan, it's been a while, but I'm going to go there on Saturday or Sunday and play a ticket. It just seems like it's been forever since I did that. So here we go. Looking forward About to it. About time. Yeah. Well, I did I did play a little hockey. And uh, just when there was a bunch of games, I did win some money. And then uh, not so much the next day, but uh, I'm ahead. So I, it's just so much fun. And I know you guys love your fantasy football. This just adds to the whole thing. So looking forward to Boomer's Picks. And uh, I don't uh, endorse or recommend in any way taking the advice of one Rhett Warner, Ryan Pinder, or uh, Dean Mulberg when it comes to uh, – NFL picks, just, just full disclosure on that one. Yeah, that's that's probably fair, right? In, in all honesty, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wishing don't and bet hoping. The house, you don't yeah. don't get yeah, don't get silly. But, in all seriousness, it it's gonna be a little tight. There's like no preseason to watch. Like, you know, this is gonna be interesting to see how, how people kind of go. Okay, well, they 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 seem to be okay, but they haven't actually played a game yet. Like they when they strap it up on well tomorrow night. Be the yep. first time they like play for real. It's totally different. So this will be interesting. All right, uh, what do you guys got coming up on the uh, the muddy uh, big show? Uh, we'll talk to Elliot Friedman, our NHL insider, at uh, three o'clock. It's, uh, he was making news with the old uh, draft being moved up, and then I haven't seen anything about that. So yes, what's so happening we'll, with that. We'll get into all of that. I've We've got, got to some, get things organized. Some NFL talk of our own ahead of uh, tomorrow's kickoff between the Chiefs and the Texans. Uh, some Vegas goaltending talk about perhaps what their offseason looks like and uh, all that wrapped up uh, before uh, the Sports Drive at 5. Looking forward to it. we got hockey for you tonight with uh, Islanders trying to to get back. I think they're going to play a lot better tonight uh, as they take on Tampa. We'll have that for you at 6 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.